Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> we had a mad panic when we couldn't find the lectern. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, it's lovely to see you. Hello, everyone, to uh, those of you that, is, uh, that are watching online or, or not live, but on playback. It's great to have you with us as well. Um, today is a momentous day and a little bit of a sad one because it is our last Sunday at Coastline. Uh, and I'm sure some of the young adults are probably playing a game and they've got their timers out. They're playing the game, How Soon Will Aid Cry? So if you want to start your timer... You can do so now. Um, it won't be long. Uh, and also, I thought this morning, I don't know if you ever do this, but uh, uh, think about what you're going to wear to church. I used to do it when I was growing up, you know, wear your Sunday best. And I thought, I've been trying to phase out the Czech shirts recently, but I thought I was gonna, I'd go old school and leave that memorable image of me. <laughs> We're going to burn them, by the way. <laughs> in your mind. put them in a pile and Sometimes you just got to give the people what they want. So I'm wearing a, uh, a plaid shirt just in, uh, I suppose, yeah, just to, for a bit of fun. I promise never to wear them. No, I can't make that promise. Um, so you may remember that it was nearly 10 years ago uh, that God called us to Bournemouth, called us back from New Zealand. We were living there. We've been living there for, for about four years. Uh, and we had no idea at the time uh, what God was calling us back to. Um, we knew that we were being called back to the UK. We went for a job um, on the south coast uh, at a vineyard church, which seemed like a good fit for me. Uh, we now realize that Bournemouth is the best place in the UK to live, um, and are very happy that we ended up here. Uh, and, but it appealed to us on lots of levels, not least because it was a vineyard uh, church, and we had worked for the vineyard for many years, but also it was close to home, close to family in Hampshire and in Kent. But we didn't really know what we were letting ourselves in for. We had no idea <laughs> at all. And even the journey back, <clears throat> it was the worst journey we have ever had. It was such a battle. Sometimes it was even hard to walk. It was like we were walking against a really strong wind. And I just kept saying, we just have to get there. We just have to get there. Because we knew, and we knew, and we knew that God had called us here even though we didn't know why. But now as we look back, we see the plan that God had for us and for this church and for everyone who's a part of this church. And it's just been such a privilege to be part of that journey, to be part of that healing process from a church that was really hurting to today, years later, what we've become. Of course, when you, whenever you move on from somewhere, when you leave a job or when you move countries like we're doing to emigrate, uh, you take quite a lot of time to reflect and to have moments where you look back and maybe look at old photos as I've done, been skimming through uh, my, uh, my iPhone and the tens of thousands of photos that I've got from years back. I know John's been doing the same and pinging me messages of, me, like of, of our kids growing up and stuff, which has been really lovely. Um, and we've also been reflecting on some of the funny moments that we've had, some of the crazy Stories that maybe you don't know about because they were so, uh, well, some of them were so horrific that we can only laugh about them now. Um, <laughs> but uh, we just wanted to share a couple of stories just to kind of give you a glimpse uh, to kind of maybe the underbelly of what leading a church can sometimes be like. 
Uh, I had a first taste of what it was like to be part of this community the very first day I moved to Bournemouth. Uh, I'd come a little earlier and we'd moved in parts. Uh, We were staying um, with Emma's family for a few weeks uh, and we'd already delivered our furniture, uh, which had been stored around the country by various different friends for the few years that we were living in New Zealand. Uh, And we loaded it all up and John said, oh, we can store it at the food bank. Uh, It was the old food bank venue um, uh, in Wessex House, as it was called, uh, in Charminster. And, um, and so we stored our furniture there, and then uh, we found a, a house to rent. And so John said, oh, look, what we'll do is we'll, 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 we'll rent another van, we'll head to the food bank, we'll pick up all your furniture, and then we'll deliver it uh, back, and, and I'll get a few people to help move you in. And then the kids were still at her parents. So we jump in the van, I get to Bournemouth, John meets me at the food bank, and we walk in, and the warehouse space where we had stored my furniture was completely empty. And John looked at me and said... With a completely straight face, straight face, deadpan, he said, Aid, I'm really, I, I think the food bank may have given away your furniture. <laughs> and because they were in the habit of giving away bits of furniture. And he was like, look, mate, it's okay. We'll try and, we'll talk to Debs. We'll try and get some of it back. But we might have to replace a lot of it because, you know, people have need. And obviously Jesus would, I was like, okay. Uh, and then, so, so I, I totally bought it. I thought, okay, we've blessed the people of Bournemouth with our furniture. We got in the van. We drove to our house, which we just, uh, just rented, opened the door, and John had already got an army of people to move all our furniture into the house. But the pranks went over for the day, so we're unloading all our uh, like boxes and furniture and stuff, and then there's a knock at the door. And so I opened the door, and there's a lady um, standing at the door. We, we, we moved into Boscombe, just up from where the food bank is now, actually. We moved into Boscombe, uh, and there was a lady at the door uh, with, uh, quite, looking quite disheveled, uh, with a fag in her hand and an empty beer can in her dressing gown pocket, uh, fluffy slippers. It was the middle of the day, fluffy slippers, and I can't remember, she, uh, probably pyjamas or something. And she was there with a dog and a lead, and she, she said, Oh, hello! is this your dog? And I'm like, no, no, uh, it's not my dog. And she was a little bit tipsy and kind of holding onto things. And so I thought, I just thought, okay, I know Boscombe is quite chaotic and maybe, maybe this is one of my neighbors. So just again, be Jesus-like to this lady. And she's like, oh, it must be your dog. She's doing this, this, this quite bad Irish accent. And, and then she let go of the dog and the dog came into our house and she was like, oh, so it is, it's your dog. And then the dog came in and then it came out again and like weed on our driveway. And she, she anyway, and she was basically, uh, so, she, so she was trying to give me this random dog, and I was like, look, lady, I'm really sorry. Like, I'd love to help you, but we've just moved in. It's definitely not my dog. And then I discovered that the lady in front of me was actually Chrissy Croucher in disguise. Where are you, Chrissy? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, uh, she'd back combed her hair and gone to all the charity shops and bought the most amusing outfit she could. She could. And uh, I think Emily, maybe some of her, her other kids, were hiding behind the, the, the removals van, just obviously bent over double-wetting themselves at the welcome that we got. Love you, Chrissy. Thanks for that. <laughs> so, with Chrissy and Steve and the release team, uh, for some of you who are newer, release used to be this amazing team who would go out in the minibus at night time and just love people who were on the streets. So we would go out with hot food and teas and coffees and we'd pray with people. And I joined the team and it was just a 
amazing for me um, to join this team. I'd never done anything like that before, and I was just learning loads from Steve and Chrissy and others about uh, the community of Boscombe, about homelessness, and about how to love people. And we used to stay out till sometimes like past one in the morning. I got really, really run down, really tired, but we just couldn't leave people. We'd be like driving around, we'd see someone else. We just couldn't leave people. So, um, but there was this one particular night. I'm a little bit uh, nervous around dogs um, occasionally. And I saw this young girl. She must have been about, I don't know, 10 or 11. She was sat on some steps and we were handing out teas and coffees, but she looked like she was quite removed. She was homeless, and she was with an older man. I don't know who he was, and I thought, I want to go and talk to this girl. But there was this large dog in front of her, and I just thought, oh, he'll be fine. So I walked over, and this dog just went for me, you know, street dog, and obviously trained to protect this young girl. And I just completely freaked out. I basically ran away screaming and I just grabbed the nearest person to me and used them as a human shield, which happened to be this um, homeless man that I'd just given a cup of tea to. So I just grabbed him and threw him in front of me. And um, his tea went everywhere. But... But you yeah. were all right, at least. I, was I mean, fine. no, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I was really not showing the love of God that night. But do you know, it, it was hilarious. And... Um, this dog was petrifying. If I hadn't have run away, it would have bitten me. I'm telling you, it was really nasty-looking thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just it was such a privilege in those early days to just be going out. And I literally was just soaking it all in like a sponge, learning, 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 because it was all so new to me. And God just totally broke our hearts for the community in Boscombe. Just totally broke our hearts through those nights out. Uh, a couple of other just funny little stories. We, we haven't done it for a few years, but we used to run a discipleship year where um, young adults would volunteer uh, to work for the church um, half the week and uh, kind of do a year of, of intensive discipleship. And I remember one of the very first, it might have been the first discipleship year that we ran. Uh, we rented out a couple of properties on Churchill Gardens. Um, obviously, we've, we've got number 10, uh, which was the original missional community, but there were a couple of other houses that we rented out. It was a bit like playing Kingdom Monopoly uh, as we kind of... Uh, uh, filled property around the square. And, um, and I remember on one occasion, uh, the, a group of the discipleship year folk had moved into a house. On, on one of the houses, just very close to where Joy Cafe is, Joy Cafe is now. Uh, and um, I remember early on, they very quickly discovered that on the top floor, in the top two bedrooms, there were bed bugs in the mattresses. And so I remember everything, kind of emergency procedures kicked in and getting, thing, you know, getting the room fumigated and all, you know, pest control and all that kind of stuff. But I remember on the the first night after they discovered it, and obviously bed bugs are very uh, well, hungry, uh, but also uh, very, it's very contagious. Like you can easily go transport and transfer them and stuff. So we kind of wanted to kind of tape off the top bedroom and not let them in there. But I later, I, I quickly found out that evening as we were trying to put things in place, emergency procedures, I, I discovered that that, that they had all the disciples had gone into the room with the worst bed bugs and sat on the bed to pray for Lauren, whose room it was, that the bed bugs wouldn't eat her that night. And I was like what are you doing? Like, I was on the phone, I was like, get out of the room. And they're like, Jesus will protect us from the bedbugs. I'm like, he probably won't. You'll probably just get eaten alive. And then I remember Lauren decided to stay that night because the pest controller said the best thing to do 
was to have someone, because you need to draw them out, is to have like a live host. And I'm not joking, but Lauren volunteered for this. And I remember getting a phone call from one of our leaders saying, Aid, like very angry with me, saying, Aid, why have you done this to Lauren? I was like, I didn't do anything. Like, she volunteered. I didn't tell her to do this. You wouldn't even, do, you wouldn't even think of your own daughter. You wouldn't even put a, a dog through that. I was like, look, it, anyway, so I, it was, it was, they were like, I'm going around and pick her up right now. I was like, no, listen, they have to stay in that house because otherwise we could become like bed bug vineyard. Like this could, this could pass around the whole church. This, this, needs, to be con- this needs to be contained. So. And another crazy memory I had of one time was when the youth were coming back from, I think, Soul Survivor or DTI, forget now. Soul. And, and one of our youth team, if you remember Ruben and Renee, a Portuguese couple that were with us for a few years, Ruben called us up and he was driving the church minibus. Does anyone remember the old church minibus? Um, and he's driving the minibus uh, and he called John up and he was like, John, uh, I've got a bit of a problem. Um, the... the the, the minibus, I'm okay, and the minibus is kind of okay, but, but the wheels come off. And John was like, the, the wheels come off? Well, like the hubcap or like what, what exactly? And, and Ruben said, no, the, the entire wheel has come off the minibus. And, and it's rolled, it basically he was driving along and it came off the vehicle, rolled at about 60 miles an hour into a field. So they had, they were, at night they were looking for, the, for the, the spare wheel. And the minibus was on three wheels, Thankfully, it was just Kit, not young people, just Kit from Soul Survivor, uh, because one of our church family had very kindly uh, offered to replace the oil and make some other changes, and he didn't tell us, but he actually swapped the wheels around uh, because the tyre wear was better on the back than on the front or something, and he didn't do the nuts up tight enough, and the actual wheel came off. So we haven't since accepted anybody's help to fix up our vehicles but thank you. They will remain <laughs> nameless. <laughs> anyway, just a few funny memories from the past. It has been obviously an amazing uh, adventure of following Jesus and of serving you guys over these last 10 years. It has just been incredible. But I remember early on, 20 years ago, at the beginning of my uh, leadership in the Vineyard Movement, I remember my old pastor, John Wright, saying to a group of trainee leaders, he said, uh, all, all kind of enthusiastic about saying yes to, 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 to leading. And he said, uh, leadership isn't easy. He said, why would you be a leader when you can have an easy life? And I remember that statement distinctively. It's, it's not easy. Leadership isn't easy. But we knew from the beginning that God had called us uh, and called us to, to serve and to use our gifts uh, of leadership to serve. We, we just wanted to be obedient and faithful. But it, it has been the most amazing adventure. We have loved every moment of it. It really has been a privilege leading the church. Uh, and even though leadership sometimes isn't easy, it absolutely has been an utter joy to lead Cosine in these last few years. And we, we love each of you very dearly. So we thought we'd tell you some of the things we love about Coastline. And the first thing that came to mind is... I have never, ever known a community who just love one another so well. I mean, you're never alone in this community. Whenever there's a need, it will be met. It is unbelievable how supportive everyone is of each other. And we're so super proud of this church and how you love each other. But also... You're such a resilient bunch of people (laughs) because life is really hard, but 
so many of you have just keep pushing on. You keep pushing on and you keep drawing alongside others who are going through hard times as well. And that is so incredibly precious. And we've experienced that from you guys as well in our journey where, as many of you know, I was chronically ill, very disabled for years and years. And so many of you gathered around me. A particular group towards the end came around every single day and prayed for me at four o'clock every single day, determined to pray for me until I was healed. And I was healed. I mean, the love, the love that I felt from that and the support was just remarkable. And I just wanted to mention, actually, talking about being healed, I did make a promise when I was very ill, because I used to come up here, I don't know if you remember, and I used to always hold on to something, moving very slowly. Who remembers that? Yeah. Um, and I made a promise that if I was healed, I would do a cartwheel on the stage. And I'm not going to do one today, but <laughs> I just want to tell you that I don't make promises lightly. And I do keep my promises, and I want to tell you that I actually, secretly, even from aid, had a training program to learn how to do a cartwheel. <laughs> so, Janita, she's not here today, she was my trainer, and Janita can do an amazing cartwheel. Honestly, maybe she can do one up here one day. I doubt she will. But, um, and we had these secret meetings in my garden where I was trying to learn how to do a cartwheel because it's one thing being healed, but then I made this promise that I would do this and I couldn't do one even when I was a child. So there we are. So anyway, Who wants to see him do a cartwheel no, now? No, no, no. <laughs> No, we, we decided, because I'm not a natural at this kind of thing, um, we started building it up. So I can now do a headstand against the wall, and I even did the first part into a handstand, and Janita caught my legs. It's quite funny. She did take video evidence, but she had promised to delete them immediately after our training session. So I can't prove it. But if you see Janita, you ask her. And I think she you should will. post a video. We should post a video. <laughs> and she will tell you that it is true. So I want, to know, I want you to know that I did try and keep my promise. And um, although you won't get a cartwheel today, it was my very best intention to do one. <laughs> well, I'm glad the last memory of people isn't you doing a headstand on stage. That's yeah. nice. Keep your, keep your dignity, um, Emmy. Um, we've loved so much about Leading Coastline. One of the things that I love especially is just the opportunity to see God move in people's lives time and time and time again, day after day after day. It's a strange thing to be in vocational kind of Christian ministry. I know we're all ministries. We all get to play. We're all, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. But it is a beautiful thing to be uh, to be paid to do this, to free me up to do it every single day. And whether that's in conversations, whether that's you know, with the staff team on a day-to-day -day, or whether or not it's with people on the street or uh, particularly on a Sunday, it has just been the most extraordinary privilege to see God at work. I absolutely love that. One of the things I love as well is this 
The opportunity that we've had to, to build a sense of community, to build a sense of real family. Church is not a, 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 an organization, organization, it's more of an organism. It's, it's much more family than it is business. And I've loved the opportunity to invest in this family. And to just, I suppose, yeah, just to pour ourselves into, uh, into that. We're so rich in friendship, we're so rich in relationship. We, we love you all so very much. And it's a joy just to have walked alongside you for all these years. Um, another thing that we love is how creative a community this is. That's in creative as in every form of creativity. Because each one of you has this um, inbuilt gift, an inbuilt dream of when God made you all, of who he created you to be and that just has begun to shine through as people grow and as they're given permission to go for their dreams it's been amazing watching all the creativity that's come through this church and in the evening services when we've had Karina leading the creative team that has been an absolute joy just to see people having a go at painting and hearing God as they paint and just responding in different ways. So we're so proud of Karina for leading that and also for all of you for just stepping out of your comfort zones. Yeah, we, we also just love, as I think we all do, soaking in God's presence And, you know, we are not a church that just comes to sing the songs, are we? (laughs) We come because we're hungry. We come because we are thirsty. And we just long to drink deeply of the Holy Spirit. And that space is so precious in this church. It's a place where people are healed. It's a place where people's hearts are healed where there's space in our lives to hear God and just to be with him. And I know that will never change because that's who we are. That's part of who Coastline is. Um, There's lots more that we could say that we love about Coastline, of course, but one of the things that particularly stands out for me is how much I have loved um, seeing dreams become a reality. I've I've loved... uh, seeing our collective dream become a reality, this dream that we had to, 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 to begin a church and to create a community, build a family of love and encouragement, of uh, intimate worship, of passionate service. You guys are uh, amazing. A, a community where it's, it's okay to not be okay, where we can be authentic, where we can be real and transparent, where we can really love each other through the good times and the bad times. And it's also been a, a real joy and delight for me to see your individual dreams become a reality as well and for me to be a champion for you and and to empower you and hopefully to equip and resource you and just to cheer you on as you've gone after the things that that God has put on your heart your passions your dreams Uh, there's far too many examples to list but one of the standout ones for me has always been Joy Cafe and the incredible dream that came out of the dream of missional community to 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 start that beautiful little cafe uh, and uh, and just yeah to have a um, uh, I guess a, just a place of, of hospitality and, and, and kingdom uh, in that, that incredibly uh, uh, dark, spiritually dark place that, that now is just seen 
just complete transformation. It's been, it's been really wonderful to see. But we know that we've run our race. And we know that this is the end of our season here. And during our sabbatical, God spoke to us through Amos 9. And that was given to us by a friend who was praying for us during our sabbatical. And it talks about how God will restore David's fallen temple. And to us, that just reminded us and spoke to us of how that's what God called us to do, to restore the fallen temple. When we arrived here, we arrived into a very hurting church. And God called us to close that church down and birth a new church, Coastline Vineyard. And for the last six years, we have seen the temple restored. And we know that that was what God called us to do. And now it's time to hand on. And this is just like a springboard to power off. But it is time for us to hand that on. I was remembering that for my 40th birthday, uh, John, uh, as a birthday present, John uh, took uh, me uh, and him racing supercars um, around. We did a Brands Hatch. I forget the, 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 the course we, we drove around. And as we, I was always driving uh, these different supercars, these different sports cars, obviously I had so much fun. I absolutely loved it, just hooning around the track. Uh, it was amazing. But in every car that I got behind the wheel, I, I never thought once uh, that, uh, that those cars were, were ever my own. Um, and just to use that as, a, as an illustration, I think it's been uh, the same for us in, in leading this church. Um, we have loved leading Coastline. We've had so, so much fun. We have loved uh, being behind the wheel, if you like. But we have always felt very clearly that this, this wasn't ever our own. This was never... This, this wasn't our church. This has always been Jesus' church. And um, we know that we were just stewards. We were just seeking his heart and his agenda. We were just trying hard to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and to make a difference in people's lives uh, any way we could. And knowing that God was calling us to lay, uh, lay this down and to step down, um, our thoughts soon turned to our de- identifying our successor, um, and it got me thinking about some of the most famous examples of succession in the Bible. I'm sure you can all think of examples, but think of Elijah to Elisha. Think of King David to Solomon. And often in those wonderful examples of succession, the successor gets to build on the legacy of the past and go on to do some even more amazing things. And one of the successions in the Bible that really stood out to me was Moses to Joshua, and it was at one of the church-wide prayer meetings, maybe some of you were there, uh, one of the church-wide prayer meetings that we held a few weeks back when we gathered together uh, to seek God's will for the next leader of Coastline, that someone shared a prophetic word from Joshua 1. And it says this, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river the Euphrates to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. 
as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And then these famous words, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And reflecting on Moses' leadership, I, it struck me that there were several parallels to our experience. <laughs> not that I'm suggesting that I'm at anywhere near the level of Moses as a leader, uh, and I'm not planning on dying anytime soon either. That's not in my narrative. Uh, but it struck me that there are a few parallels between what Moses experienced and what we experienced. Like Moses, God called us powerfully from relative obscurity called to do a very specific task. Like Moses, Emma and I have felt at times very inadequate and ill-equipped, but have just tried to be obedient. Like Moses, God gave us a compelling vision of a preferred and better future and used us to reset and to establish a whole new culture. Like with Moses, along the journey, people have gained a whole new identity. And led by God and the power of the Spirit, again like Moses, we feel privileged to have led the people out of somewhere they didn't want to stay into a glorious new future. Now Moses' story ends in disappointment, with his legacy a little bit tainted by past mistakes. And because of that, I'm sure you know the story, he doesn't get to enter the promised land. But one of the things that's different with our ending, and something that we're hopefully rightly proud of is that we are leaving well, we're leaving for good reasons, not bad, and we're leaving with the church incredibly strong and healthy. But this story of Moses and his succession got me thinking about Moses' succession planning. And as I've reread the story at the end of Deuteronomy and the beginning of, uh, of Joshua, I can't see much evidence at all of Moses having a transition plan. There's no obvious handover process between Moses and Joshua. But what is clear is that when Moses dies, Joshua is ready. And because he's ready, there's no leadership vacuum or there's no question as to who will lead in Moses' absence. Because Although Moses might not himself have wanted to stop, he might not have known his time would come to an end so abruptly, God knew. God knew. God had a plan, and God knew who would succeed Moses as Israel's leader. And there's another parallel to our story here too. You see, our decision to step down was only confirmed in the summer, uh, and we only had about six or so months to plan the transition. We, we start new jobs in New Zealand next month. And if you'd have asked us in January, we had no idea at the beginning of this calendar year that our time of leading Coastline was coming to an end. But God knew. God knew. And God knew that the perfect successor was already in place. Someone who... Over the last 10 years, I'd already been investing in and, and training so that when we stood down, if we stood down, and, and now we are doing that, that he would be ready to step in and to step up. And so even though this morning is our farewell, it, it is also an opportunity to tell you, the church, and those of you who are watching online, uh, and to give you the great good news that we have identified John as our successor of Coastline.
There'll be a chance for some more applause a little bit later as well. So, um, and although John may have seemed our natural successor and the prime candidate to take on the leadership of the church, we have chosen to work through a very rigorous and robust three-month process of discernment, which has included lots of prayer and discussion and in-depth assessments and inviting external applicants and weighing prophecies and pictures and interviews and presentations and listening to feedback from the staff and from leaders and much, much more, which has led all of us, the trustees, the selection panel, the staff and all the leaders to recognise that John is indeed best equipped and called by God, uniquely called by God, to lead Coastline forward in the great future that God has planned for you. Now, John is going to be doing that uh, as uh, the senior pastor on his own, not as a couple with Alice. But Alice feels very called, of course, to support him and is a wonderful leader in her own right. But she is called in this season to continue to her work in the secular world. Um, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to look and feel a little bit different. Um, and of course, John, in the coming weeks, will have lots of time uh, to to share more of his heart and more of his vision for the future of Coastline. And early in the new year, there will be a commissioning service uh, where he will be anointed and and appointed uh, by senior leaders in the vineyard movement. But for now, today, we just thought it would be fitting and appropriate in our last service for it to be Em and I who share this incredibly exciting news. We are so excited. Um, that John is going to be leading Coastline. And we're so excited for the future of Coastline as well. Do you know, years ago, when Aid and I started Coastline with John and Alice, we've done the whole journey together. Um, God told us, don't worry, it's going to be amazing. And do you know... It really has been, and it still is going to be really amazing. Yep. It really is. Like, that's something that has been spoken over this church. And we planted this church with a dream, and it was a dream to build a community of love and encouragement. And we've actually seen our dream come true. <laughs> it's been such a privilege to to see this church just transform into this beautiful community of empowerment and to see lives transformed. We've come so far in six years. It's amazing how far we've come in six years. But we helped lay the foundation, and it's just a foundation. We've helped build... A beautiful culture. And now it's time for something else to be built on top of that, for this church to keep being built. Because once the foundation there is there, the foundation of the culture, that's when you're ready to keep building and to build up and to build onto what God has for Coastline next. And we're so excited that John is going to be leading that. And so we just want to encourage you as we leave, and John, we hand the baton over to John, that, you know, everything is going to be amazing. Have we got that picture? Yeah. Oh, look at that. We saw that in a little cafe toilet 
can you believe? <laughs> it was a little postcard on, the pin, on a pin board. And we were like praying into loads of stuff while we were having a cup of tea together. And <laughs> I think I went into the bathroom first, came out, Aid went in next. And then we both said, did you see that postcard? And God was just nudging us towards this postcard. And we just really felt God put it on our hearts that he was telling us that don't worry, everything is going to be amazing. So we just leave you with that thought and leave you with those words. Leading Coastline has been the greatest privilege of our lives. We've loved it. We love you all very much. Everything is going to be amazing. You are all amazing. Um, we kind of feel like Coastline is, like with a proud parents, like Coastline's kind of been our baby. Uh, we, 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 we started it. <laughs> and... But we are incredibly happy and incredibly confident to hand over the leadership of the church to John and to our brilliant staff team uh, and the leaders here uh, who have laid down their lives uh, for you and for the, for the church. John has very, very clearly been called by God to lead the church. This is his moment. This is his time. And it's now very much your job to get behind him and get behind him and his vision. And it's now very much your job to sign up once again to, uh, to, to, to serve Jesus and his cause, uh, and to sign up again to love the king and live the kingdom. Um, everything has been amazing, and everything will continue to be amazing. Um, we're going to invite John to uh, just share a few words, but as he comes up, I think it'd be appropriate to give him another big co-sign round of applause. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? There we go. Wow, it's been uh, just an amazing uh, journey and adventure. And I feel just completely humbled all over again. I have loved um, serving this wonderful community right from back ways when. And uh, I'm super excited for all that God is going to do in the coming weeks, months, uh, and years. And uh, I don't really want to take the emphasis too much away from, we want to say goodbye to, to Aidan M today. And, 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 I, and I know that you know this, but I just want to publicly say this again. It's been an absolute honor and a privilege to... I'll try not to cry, but I'm going to cry, aren't I? To, to serve alongside you, to, you know, to, to receive your love, to be invested in, to be encouraged, to be cheered on. Uh, all of the, the things that go on behind the scenes, the prayer, the fasting, the, you know, uh, taking the battle, do you know what I mean? Uh, if you like, to the enemy uh, and, and winning every time. And I want you to know that you leave the church in good hands. And I know that you know that. But as you said, like there is a process that you need to go through that we need to go through. There is a bit, there is a grieving that needs to happen. But I want you to be rest assured that, this church is going to continue to meet the needs of this town, to, to share the gospel in word and deed. And we want to see revival. And, uh, and that's what we're praying for. And, and, and yeah, go on, you can clap for that. I think one of the most incredible things that I've seen over all of the six years is the different kind of people that are part of this community uh, from all different walks of life, from all different backgrounds that, that love Jesus, that have a hunger to really live this out authentically. And, uh, and that just excites me. It feels like we've just, you know, in this whole discernment process that I did with the vineyard, there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions that I had to answer. And, and, and every time I answered some of the questions about where we were and where we are, 
are, within six years, we have come an awful long way. And, and it's a credit to Aidan M's um, leadership, but it's also a credit to all of you guys that are saying, do you know what? I'm in. I genuinely believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. I genuinely believe that he wants to reach the least, the last, and the lost. And I'm in. I'm all in. And I'm going to live this out with my whole life. And that's been so exciting for me uh, to, to have that recollection. A few months ago, I, uh, I'll say about a month ago, I was praying with a bunch of leaders. Uh, every, every, every month we pray with leaders from this town. And two of my friends, one was celebrating 100 years that a church has been in Bournemouth, which is amazing, is it not? The legacy that God has left through that church. And so, somebody else was talking about how their church was 164 years old. And another church was talking about how they were 174 years old. I mean, that is an incredible legacy that Jesus is leaving in this town. And I was so humbled all over again, thinking how far Little Coastline had come within six years. And uh, I'm super, super excited and privileged to build on what Aidan M's legacy, what, what they've left here, and all that what God wants to do in the future. And as we move into the new year, of course, I will be sharing vision with you. I'll be talking once again about our DNA, our values, who we are as a vineyard. Um, but of course, most of you know me. So, 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 so lots of our DNA, or my DNA, blood, sweat, and tears is already in this current church. So you know that I'm passionate about it. You know I want us to, to grow deep and wide. And uh, yeah. Just thank you. Thank you all for, for trusting me in this next season with the church. Lastly, I just want to end by saying this, that of course, as Aid alluded, things will feel slightly different because, because I'm different, because I, I do lead slightly uh, different. But I want you to know we have an incredible team of pastors. You know, I have Sarah and the rest of the team alongside me. And in this next season, I just want you to know that, that we're available for you. Like, if you want to come and talk to us, if you have fears about what the future might look like, if you are excited, like Aid said earlier, God may have planted specific dreams and seeds in you for this next season. Come and talk to us. If there are things that you're saying, Don, don't change that. Whatever you do, don't do that. Come and talk to us. I'd love to get to know you better, especially some of you guys that don't know me as well. Please do pick up the phone, email us, come and talk to us. We want to walk this out together. Every person in this church gets to play and we value and appreciate you. And we know that you're called as well to help move this church forward into all that God wants it to be in, this, in the future. So, having said all of that, we wanted to give Aidan M a little gift and just say, look, we love you. Why don't we give them a rapturous round of applause? Thank you so much for all that you've done. There's a gift in there. There is a little card there. We love you. 